Winds of change are whipping around the county ground, and in those winds are echoes of Moneyball and Peter Brand and Billy Bean. Three great quotes for you. The problem, according to Billy Bean, the problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. We're like organ donors for the rich. Boston have taken our kidneys. The Yankees have taken our heart. And you guys, you just sit around talking the same old good body nonsense like we're selling jeans. We've got to think differently. We're the last dog at the bowl. You see what happens to the runt of the litter? He dies. The solution, according to Peter Brand. Okay, Billy, people who run ball clubs, they think in terms of buying players. Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. You're trying to replace Johnny Damon. The Red Sox see Johnny Damon and they see a star who's worth $7.5 million a year. When I see Johnny Damon, what I see is an imperfect understanding of where the runs come from. The guy's got a great glove, but he's, is he really worth the $7.5 million the Red Sox are paying him a year? No. Baseball thinking is medieval. They're asking all the wrong questions. And if I say it to anybody, I'm ostracized. I think it's a good thing that you got Damon off your payroll, Billy. I think it opens up all kinds of interesting possibilities. And finally, the result, as observed by J.W. Henry, obviously owner of Liverpool Football Club. For 41 million, Billy, you built a playoff team. You won exactly the same number of games that the Yankees won, but the Yankees spent 1.4 million per win and you spent 260000 I know you've taken it in the teeth out there, Billy, but the first guy through the wall, it always gets bloody. Always. It's the threat of not just a way of doing business, but in their minds, it's a threatening of the game. But really, what it's threatening is their livelihoods. It's threatening their jobs. It's threatening their way they do things. And every time that happens, whether it's the government or way of doing business or whatever it is, the people holding the reins have their hands on the switch. They go batshit crazy. I mean everybody. Who's not building a team right now and rebuilding it using your model, Billy? They're dinosaurs. Well, not quite the Oakland Athletics, but Swindon Town Football Club. Season 22-23, esteemed listeners, we're delighted to welcome the man we hope will be our very own Peter Brand, Billy Bean hybrid moving forward, Sandro Di Michele. Sandro, good evening. How are you? Yeah, good evening. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, that, that's some intro. That really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Look, if we get to that stage and then we get a film, made about us or a book written we've done something very good haven't we <laughs> we certainly have Sandro listen we're so chuffed that you've accepted our invitation to come on and um and answer some questions all the questions that we're going to be asking you tonight buddy have all been submitted by the supporters um they're all going to be put to you by the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge um sort of team of regulars if you will and I thought I'd interest start by introducing them all to you Sandro so um to uh, to to get the ball rolling, and uh, Nathan meet Sandro. Nathan meet uh, Sandro. Meet Nathan. Hello, Nathan. Sandro. Nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you as well. Go easy on me, please. I've, I'm, I'm only new in the role, so just go gentle <laughs> with these questions, please. No, nah, not a chance of that. We're having you right on the rack tonight, Sandro. Don't you <laughs> Sandro, we've also got Chris joining us tonight. How are you, Chris? Uh, evening, Sandro. How how's things going? Good. Busy, which is what we want. Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah. Sandro, junior, the junior member of the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge, I'll introduce you to Tyler. Tyler, Sandro, Sandro, Tyler. Good evening, Sandro. How are we? Yeah, very good, Tyler. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm cracking, mate. I'm cracking. 
And Sandro, last but very much not least, a fellow member of the Goalkeepers Union. Martin, meet Sandro. Sandro, meet Martin. Hello, Sandro. Nice to meet you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Martin. Yeah, goalkeepers, eh? What a, what a funny breed you look like. <laughs> Not that's right in the head. That's an outrageous slur. We're going to make your night even more uncomfortable for you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Sandro, we're um, appreciate we've got we've got about an hour of your time. All right, so we're we're trying to keep things on track as best we can. If we've got any um, opportunity towards the end of the questions that have already been sent in, then hopefully we'll get an opportunity to open the lines up. If you're still up for a few live questions as well. Um, but I'm going to open up, Sandra, with the first question. This has come uh, via Kev from WhatsApp. And Kev asks, Sandra, can you explain how your role compares to that of Ben Chorley's before you? <laughs> That's a good question to start with, isn't it? Um, look, I, I suppose what I can't do is I can't talk on behalf of Ben Chorley and what his role was. Of course. I know that... Um, Things happened quite quickly at the club and Ben Chorley left and Clem and Rob Angus got on the phone to me and asked me if I could just provide a bit of consultancy support for them, really, where they just said, can you um, can you help us in terms of identifying some players? Because we know you've got background in doing that at other clubs. And then could you and then the, the opportunity presented itself where they said we'd like you to be our technical director. Now all I can really do is tell you what the role my role was as the technical director, but as a technical director, but it's effectively I, I kind of see myself as someone that kind of sits in the middle of everything football related at our club and tries to ensure the kind of smooth flow of it, if you like. So and, and when I, what I sit in the middle of is of course Scott Lindsay and the first team. Um, we then have um, Joe Brooker Triolo and our sports scientists. So our doctors and our sports scientists that also incorporates strength and conditioning, nutrition, um, player rehab, etc. We've then got Jamie Russell, who's our academy director, uh, and and I work closely with Jamie on on the shape of our academy and how we create pathways from our 18s into the first team and also how we manage the development of players. Um, obviously, because we don't have a 23 set up, that, that makes it different and, and means we have to create different opportunities, how we utilise the loan market, working with non-league clubs uh, in in our area, etc. Um, I have a, back, a bit of a background in some media work that I've done in the past, so, so I work very closely with our kind of media and comms team. Um and then recruitment, of course. I work very closely with our chief scout, Les Caffrey, and and also our kind of data data analysis guys and analysts and kind of bring all that together. So that's the whole remit. It's very broad. It covers everything football-related. Um, and, of course, there's big crossovers to the non-footballing stuff as well, which is something that I try and focus on as well, try and kind of bring the footballing side a little bit closer to the, the commercial side of the football club as well. I think that that may be where that I don't I can't speak I don't know exactly what Ben's role was, but I I think that it's probably my remit is probably a little bit wider. Certainly, a lot more involvement with data, with analysis, um, and certainly using data and analysis more to identify the players. And then, um, and then I suppose probably the kind of media and comms side of things would be would be something different and extra to what Ben did. Uh, and then I suppose just trying to really 
build a really strong relationship and a really, really kind of united, interwoven relationship between the non-footballing side and the footballing part of the club. So I suppose it's those last three bits where it's probably slightly different and a, a slightly more expanded role from that of Ben Chorley's. Gotcha. So would it be, again, like without... <laughs> I don't kind of want to go back over what you've what you've said, Sandro, and almost kind of, <laughs> sort of try and get you to answer the question again. But would it be fair to say, I mean, Ben was obviously known as being, you know, obviously started his career at Arsenal, very much football, very much, uh, you know, a kind of football contacts, black, uh, black book man. Would it be fair to say that's not necessarily your forte? Your forte is more about being able to um, sort of, you know, essentially analyse the football landscape right across the board, irrespective of a black book, or would that be kind of underselling your role somewhat? Um, so I, su- I suppose what I'm definitely not, and this is stating the obvious, I'm not an ex-professional footballer. I don't have, you know, 500 games on my CV like Ben Chorley did. So it's important that those two things are very clearly identified. Um, but would so Ben would have I would I, I don't, again I don't know Ben would probably have a, a, a wider network of contacts in the game possibly but um, I suppose it comes down to the quality of your relationships rather than the quantity as well so I, I think the bottom line is I look we I have a different approach to identifying players to maybe other people in the game and and the way we try and do that working with Scott Lindsay working with the chief scout and the other scouts and our analysts is is trying to just identify undervalued and underdeveloped players if you my black book's pretty good i don't think i'm i'm yet to find it impossible to get the number of somebody and i think that's uh, I think that's the beauty of football, to be honest. I think people are very contactable. So um, you, I, I think w- maybe what you're trying to get to is, uh, did Ben have a better way of leveraging relationships with clubs like Arsenal that he played at in the past? Maybe. But I think, um, I actually think the brand of football that we play and the football club itself is the best, is our biggest asset when it comes to attracting talent. And And I know for a fact that the top academies in this country love sending their players to Swindon Town Football Club and I think actually that's why the, impo- the appointment of Scott Lindsay was so important because um, we, we cannot deviate away from the way we believe the game should be played and, and that's why big academies love sending us their players so whether it's me, Ben Chorley or anyone else that's um, that's kind of in the, the technical director role I think as long as we play football the right way and we have the right head coach and we continue this kind of DNA that we buy into, then then I think that will be the, our biggest asset to leverage. And most importantly, it's the fans. People want to play at the county ground in front of 10,500, 11,000 people, if not more. Yeah. No, I don't... I mean, just to be clear, Sandro, I don't think it's a question of saying which one of you two is better. Um, it's more a question of understanding, like, literally, the key differences. And I think you've articulated that perfectly. Thank um, you. Ty, what have we got next? I understand we've got, we've got a question from Darren. Yeah, so we've got a question here from, from Darren Jackson, um, and it's quite a simple one. Is the club expectations for this season to get promoted? <laughs> um, so that's what you get for going into the goalkeeper's union. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's what you get. You go in on us, mate, you get two footed right back at you. <laughs> yeah, so expectations to get promoted. Uh, of course, we want to get promoted. I believe we are in the process of assembling a squad that will be capable of getting us promoted. 
this is going to, this is, I, I, I deal in percentage chances of things happening. And that's predominantly because I come from a, a numbers background and I spent a lot of time in the betting industry. You know, we, I think we're in a, I think we're in a strong position at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done on the squad still, but that is very much going on as we speak. Um, we, I'm, I'm going to, I'm flirting around the subject a little bit here, and I, um, sound like I'm talking to my missus trying to sort of explain why I stayed out an hour too late. <laughs> um, I, I think, look, I think that we, yeah, do we expect to be promoted? I, I think expect is the wrong word because expectations, look, we are doing everything we possibly can to get promoted. We're assembling a squad of players that we believe can get promoted. Statistically, I think we'll have a good chance of being promoted, you know, in the best way of working that out. We'll be going and looking at the bookmakers' odds when the first ball of the season is kicked, or maybe even when the transfer window shuts on the first of September. Um, and we all believe that we don't need to do an awful lot more to get us over the line from from last season when, when we missed out on automatic by three points. So does that answer the question? Probably not, to be honest. Yeah. But it's, it's the best answer I could give you at this moment in time. Sandro, can I just ask one thing there as well? Um, when you go in, obviously, into the start of this season, do you think we will have a stronger squad at the start of the season than we did at the start of last season? Yes. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Without a shadow of doubt, because I think without any question, the club is in a much better place than it was 12 months ago. I think we've got a group of players that have had a year of working under... Ben Garner and Scott Lindsay, and now and now we'll continue to work under Scott Lindsay and Jamie Day. Um, and I also think we have a much greater understanding of where the weaknesses existed or where the areas of improvement existed, uh, and we're very much working on that. So, so yes, I would say we do have a better squad. I also think, um, and this might come up again at some point tonight. Um, I think a lot of the expectations are high from fans this season based on what we did last season. What we achieved last season was incredible. With the 18th biggest budget to finish sixth in the table and miss that an automatic by three points is just incredible with those resources. Um, and I think a lot of the players that are now kind of... A lot of the players now, 12 months ago and 11 months ago, you know, people were going, mm, not sure about that one, Ooh, not sure about that one. Harry McCurdy, he's had a bit of a checkered past. There were plenty who were saying, I'm not sure about Ben Garner. He didn't do well at Bristol Rovers. And then you look at the players that came in, you look at the way they played, and, and you, people are now going 12 months later, we can't let McCurdy go. We can't get Reed, we can't let Reedy go. What are we going to do about Payne? You know, so on, so on. Is Scott Lindsay the right replacement for Ben Garner? And so I think back, back us to go and do the same again and do it even better would be my take on it. So, yeah, in answer to your question, we would have a much better squad, I believe. Uh, how much will Charlton have to pay for Louis Reed? <laughs> well, it's a little bit... It's one of those, isn't it? And, and, I, and I, I believe in this really strongly. It's a little bit like when you go and sell your house, isn't it? I, we all have a value that we place on our house and, and that we absolutely love it and we think it's the best house on the street. And... Uh, and we have a figure in our mind that we think is what should be paid for it. And that's exactly how we feel about Louis Reed. It's how we feel about every player. The simple kind of economics and finances of football dictate that, I'd say, of the 92 clubs in in the, the football pyramid, 
I'd say 89 of them are selling clubs, maybe even 90 of them are selling clubs. And, and unsurprisingly, we're one of those 90. So we don't want players, we, we don't want players to go for under what we think they should go for. But the reality is our football club can only be sustainable by developing talent and moving them on and, and, and it keeps going. Now that just to be clear, that doesn't mean Louis Reed's getting sold. But it's you know the bottom line is if the right price comes in for any player, then they would then they would be sold, and and that's just the simple finances of um, of football, isn't it? You only need to look at some of the activity that's gone on at various clubs over the last few days to see to to understand that. So um, what that figure is, I don't know because um, I've got a figure in my mind that I think is worth, and um, that I'm not prepared to tell you before you ask that question. Um, <laughs> And but whether that that makes evaluation that other clubs place on him, we'll find out, won't we? Yes, indeed, we will. Nathan, do you want to move this along? Sure. Um, obviously, as you know, we've lost the manager um, and we've lost a couple of popular players. Um, so, with that in mind, what would you say to fans who are on the fence about buying a season ticket for next year? I'd say. Go out and buy your season ticket because we need you. We love we love the support that you give us. Um, we we play a brand of football that is very very attractive. I, I know I know if I was ever going to buy a season ticket at a football club, I'd want to make sure that I'm entertained, and we will certainly do that. We will continue to play possession based attacking football. We'll be on the front foot. We'll give the fans something to get excited about and something to get behind. I think we've got an unbelievable head coach in Scott Lindsay, who I think fans will see a side to, side of that they they not really got the opportunity to see when he was Ben's assistant. And with regard to the players that, you know, maybe are fans' favourites and, and aren't part of the club, we're going to go out and find some more. And, you know, I think some of them, they might not be fans' favourites to start with, but I think they will be by the time... Um, we get to the midpoint of the season, if not sooner. And I think there might be some that would be fans' favourites from the, from the day they, they join the club. And you, and you don't want to give any... Are we in for a busy week, Mr. Dumichaili? Are we in for a busy remainder of the week, I should say? Uh, yeah, look, I hope so. I, I hope so. I, I can tell you every day's busy. Um, this is probably... This is probably the earliest I've got back to my hotel room so far since I've started the role. And I was here at about 8.45. You know, I left the ground at about 11.30 last night. And about 11 o'clock seems to be the current time that I'm leaving the county ground. So there's a lot of... So look, we are very busy. We're very active. I think there might be one or two more that we get done before the end of the week and before before the game at Melksham on Saturday. Outstanding stuff. That's what we're looking to hear. Uh, right, what have we got next? Martin, I believe you're you're up next. You've got a question, I believe, from Paul. Yeah, I got a question from Paul via WhatsApp, and it's about Karachi. Um, there's been a little bit of confusion in general, I think, from comments that have been seen online about why Karachi. Uh, and he also says, whilst I appreciate the adventurous spirit, it must surely be a fool's errand believing we'll sign players given issues with visas. So, is there anything you can shed light on about why Karachi and also about? If players could even come, if they are deemed good enough. Yeah, look, look, it's um, look, it's a fair question. I think, I think Karachi um, probably does a number of things. I, I think there's certainly the the club. We, we, I think the club wants to do more about being kind of inclusive and accessible. Um, I, I certainly think there's a feeling that 
it will you know there's a there's a there's quite a large asian community in the town and i think there's a feeling that this could be the first step of of, of a number of academies that the club would like to open out in in parts in that part of the world um in the subcontinent if you like and and i think that's um that's something that i think is important i think then we might find talent out there and, and i think the reality is that if we are going to try and identify talent in other parts of the world and also just try and grow the, grow the uh the footprint the global footprint of the club then i think we're going to have to do that we're going to have to do that in a slightly different way that thinks outside the box a little bit um from a cost perspective it hasn't really cost the club too much money really other than sending some a coach over there to spend a bit of time in educating and develop them um and i think it's important that we try and make our club kind of as diverse and, and give a better representation of, of the community and the town that we're part of. And I think this is a nice way of doing it. I, I, I think, I don't think it's any more than that, to be honest. I think it's, I, I would like, I would love to see Swindon town have more academies in more parts of the world. I, you know, I'd also like to see us do more in, in our local area as well in other parts of the country. So um, I, I think it's, it's a, it's baby steps. It's, a, it's the first, step of maybe many in this space but it's certainly something that i think is interesting and exciting and i think actually anything that we could you know with things like i follow now and the ability to for, for the for the club to clubs matches to be watched anywhere in the world and the fact that the club benefits from that um financially i, I think if we can do kind of look at opportunities and create ways of engaging with, with populations in different part of the world then then I, I i don't if we can do it in a kind of a, an economically sensible way i i don't think it's the worst thing in the world i i don't have any kind of i, I think it's quite exciting i think it's interesting i don't know huge amounts about karachi i haven't been out there but um if the opportunity presented itself I'd, I'd love to go out there and represent the football club as i would with almost any other part of the world to be honest i think that I think there is opportunity in it. And, you know, just as we like to think differently and think a little bit outside the box in terms of the way we recruit players, for example, I think we really need to try and think differently and outside the box in terms of how we look at other opportunities and building partnerships and driving commercial revenue off the pitch as well. Do you yeah. think... I mean, it's, it's an interesting point, Sandra, isn't it? I mean, I, I was once... Um, uh, you know, part of a football business that produced an awful lot of content for Manchester United, which ended up finding its hands into a huge amount of Indonesian supporters, for example. And then you start looking at the scale of Man United support in countries like Indonesia and then revenues that are generated. I guess that's kind of what you're saying here, isn't it, with Karachi? Yeah, like, I think I think that's that's one of the that could be one of the, the benefits of it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't see. Look, I think there's there's an opportunity to drive revenue all over the world. So in answer to that, yes. But also that you've got to give something. I think you have to give something to places to get them to kind of um, understand who you are and understand what you what what you mean and 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 what what you kind of stand for. And effectively, if they're going to buy into you as a football club, you've got to try and do something especially when you're Swindon Town and you're not Manchester United. So I think if you give a little bit back, you might get quite a bit more back in return. I also think the, uh, the if you're going to go into different parts of the world, ultimately, probably the best way of growing your brand is trying to take some talent from that part of the world and see whether it's capable of 
Um, and, and if you do that, then you can have an even greater opportunity of growing your brand and, and your club's footprint in that country. So I think it's, um, yeah, so I think it's a whole host of things. To answer your question, yes, there is opportunity in that. But I think to achieve that, you've got to put back into those areas and those countries uh, before you can expect to take anything out. Are there plans, do you know, I don't know if you can say, but is it for now just Karachi or do you know if in the next couple of months or sometime this season, there's going to be another place announced? At the moment, at the moment, it's just Karachi, but there are, there are definitely conversations going on around, are there other parts of the world that, that we could look to do this in? Um, yeah, absolutely. This is something we'd, we'd like to do more of. We don't want it just to be one. Spot on. Okay. Uh, Chris, I understand you've got a question from Jason. Chris, unmute your mic, buddy. Ah, sorry. Um, um, Sandra, was, one thing I was to say before that as well, obviously you've brought um, Oscar in from Plymouth. Yeah. Um, young players, and, and a lot of your signings so far have been young players. Is there any sort of uh, idea of, of improving sort of like to get us an under 23 team yeah look, it's a good it's a really good question I, I think the reality is that the reason we've signed we players with it the, with the, they fit the profile of, of what we like um we believe they're exciting talents with, with great potential and obviously with that comes we think they're right to come in and, and do stuff in our first team, be very, very good players in the first team. Obviously, they have to be capable of playing the level. They have to be good enough to do that. And with that, they then have a resale value. That's the main reason. I, I'll be honest, I think we're probably some way off having a 23s team just yet. And that's purely the finances of of what it takes to run a 23s team. You know, or a B team, if you wanted to go down that route, it, it's expensive. And w- there's so much that, this club needs to get right and have put put in place and needs to be invested in, I think, before we can think about having a 23s team. Because actually, if we did it too soon, I think um, you'd you, you just do yourself a disservice. And I think what's really important moving forward is anything that we do as a football club has to be of the highest standards possible. Uh, and, and one other thing from that is obviously... Uh... Scott's got his own ideas and whatnot, and you. Um, so far, the, the players you brought in have been young, but obviously we can't go with just a team of, of that young. So, what's what's the sort of idea and uh, of bringing more experienced players in? Are you saying are you saying you can't win anything with kids, Chris? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's pretty much um, that's pretty much the question I'm asking. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm being facetious there. Look, we we are don't get me wrong at the moment the signings have been younger they've been of a younger profile but look I think you saw Key and Harry's coming today 25 years old um, with decent level of experience in the game and certainly at this level that there's definitely going to be a few more that come in with experience so um, that doesn't that you know what experience looks like it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be that old you know it's about I think sometimes it's about minutes and and kind of that you've played at, at a various point in your in your career you know I'm not saying we're going to go and sign a 22 year old that's played 200 games but I can think of plenty of 22 year olds in the game that have so class as experience having said that um, we want to develop young footballers it's vitally important that they have experience around them to help them on that that journey um, be that on the pitch 
and also off the pitch. So look, we understand we we need to get the right blend of of um of kind of youth potential and experience. So yeah, don't be. I'd, I'd say don't be too concerned at this moment in time. That there's definitely. A, a good number of targets that we're working on that um, that have got that have got experience and good experience at good levels. Well, uh, but could, can you make sure they're not from Bristol Rovers or Oxford next time? Pardon? <laughs> can you make sure they're not from Bristol Rovers or Oxford next time you sign someone? Is yeah, that, come on, does, bro. Basic courtesies, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does that, you've know, been here five minutes. You're already sticking your sticking your toes in the wrong pool. Come on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Does that not? Um, does that? Uh, it, my, I look at it slightly differently. I think that's going to be even better when they achieve even more at our football club, because all, all you know, you got all these Bristol Rovers and Oxford fans having a pop, and I'm thinking, well, you know, clearly your club wasn't good enough to get the best out of them. Do you know what I mean? We're going to get the best out of them at our club. So that's um, and, the spirit. That's yeah. the spirit. <laughs> just, just, just a point on that, lads. You, you're berating them for signing someone from Rovers. We're on the Sirton Broadbent Lounge. He was from Rovers. Quiet, Tyler, quiet. Just, just <laughs> irony. Just irony. Oh, right. Things were going quite well until you started humiliating. <laughs> Tyler, we've, um, Darren, I'll pass Darren my apologies because Sandro's already kind of answered your question, buddy, in terms of Sandro's links to Premier League clubs. So we're going to scoot straight over to Tyler, who I understand has got a question from Mark via Twitter. Um, yeah, so, Sandro, what, what's the dynamic between you and Scott like? And if Scott wants a player and and it's reasonable within the budget does he get said player yeah this is that's really good so what's the dynamic like between me and scott i think it's excellent i'd like to think scott would say the same thing but you'd obviously have to ask scott maybe when we get maybe when we get scott on here you guys get scott on here in a week or two you can ask that question about what the dynamics like with myself i get on brilliantly with scott um from the first time i spoke to him um there's been a real clear um, understanding of what we're trying to achieve and, and a real mutual respect and he's a pleasure to work with um, yeah absolutely superb and obviously from my perspective in the role as a, as a new technical director every appointment you make as head coach is, is an important one but this is incredibly important because it's my first in the role so yeah brilliant dynamic with regards to recruitment we are this is why the strategy is, is so important really that we we have a very clear uh, strategy and we have a clear profile on on the types of players we want to recruit in what position. So we we very rarely disagree on players. What we what we have is we we might have five or six options in a position. They all fit what we're trying to achieve in terms of age, size, physical attributes, technical attributes, tactical attributes. And then it comes down to a case of us sitting down as a transfer committee, if you like, and and deciding which one is which one is the right one for us based on what we know, you know, and that and that could be the length of contract, the the the, the, the money that the player wants, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um Scott as yet. Scott hasn't gone. I really want this player. We've got to go and do it. Um, but I think, like, if, if Scott was to say that, and it kind of fell outside of what we believe is the search criteria, I think what you do is you then say, okay, well, why do you want that player? What is it? What is it you're looking for from that player in that position? Then we go away and we crunch the numbers again, and then we present some other options alongside that player, and we go through the process again, and we have another debate on it and, and and we might find that we arrive at the player that Scott 
suggested all along. But um, it, it's very much a collective decision when it comes to, to players. And um, at the moment, we're all very, very aligned on, on what we believe are the right targets for ourselves. The other thing I think is really important to make clear is this: what we will never do and it does happen at some clubs that have this kind of structure, um, but we would never, I'd never force a player on Scott. I'd never tell Scott, there you go, you've got this player. Because it just that, that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we're very clear on that as well. Um, Sandro, a, a question from me, sort of an extension of that, if you will. So uh, would it be fair to say that, you know, is the model one of almost like a benign dictatorship when you guys are at a point where you are, if you reach the point of loggerheads, where you can't make a breakthrough, would would you would are you in the position where you you sort of hold the ultimate power of veto? Um, I don't think so. No, I, I, I because I just, I, I, yeah, it's a good. In answer to your question, we've we've, we've not got to that stage yet. Um, maybe we will at some point. I think you've just got to keep as a group collectively. I think you've just got to keep knocking it around, and I think you've got to keep knocking it around and working yeah. out what it is and ultimately what the goal is and what you're trying to achieve. I, I personally think, and maybe it's because I, I am so sort of bought into this this strategy and this process of working that um, I, I think if you, you have to put a, a lot into the, the process at the beginning, you have to put a lot into the briefing phase, you have to create player profiles that are so detailed and thorough that it spits out exactly what you want at the end of the process. Um, and I think if you do that right, mm-hmm. then I think you avoid a lot of these situations where you could potentially end up with having two or three people kind of banging heads because they're all pulling in different directions. Yeah, gotcha. Nathan, I believe you're up. Yep. Um, so obviously one bit of good news uh, this summer was Matteo Boldry extending his contract. Um, a question from Arch was, what were the conversations like with him and how did you convince him to stay? Uh, the conversations with Frenchie were brilliant. He, he's, um, I mean, you don't need, you guys don't need me to tell you how professional Frenchie is, what a brilliant person, what a leader and a character he is to have around the dressing room and around the club. I, I would, Personally, I would say he was Swindon Town's best player probably for ten of the last twelve games of the season. Um, so, from our perspective, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a no brainer to to offer him a new deal. That was never up for debate. Obviously, he wanted to know um, the, what the head coach situation was, uh, and the second that we appointed Scott, it was that the decision was made up for him. He was so enthused about working with Scott as head coach um, that it made it a very easy decision him so the conversations were great he's a brilliant guy I've got a great relationship with him and um, he's just a brilliant character to have around the club and we talk about experience uh, I don't think there's anyone better for the young lads and, and the new um, additions to the squad to learn from than Frenchie. Were there any kind of conversations about his injury history because obviously he's not played a full season for us um, and he has struggled with injuries um, obviously last season towards the end he was brilliant when he was fit um, did that kind of factor into any conversation with either either of you? Not really. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I think um, I, I believe we've got the best strength and conditioning team outside of the Premier League. And I know that's a bold statement, but um, you only need to look at the minutes that... You only need to look at the fact that Frenchie played so many games at the back end of the season. When, you know, a lot of players of his age wouldn't be able to do that or with his injury record wouldn't be able to do that. That has to be... Um, 
as a result of how good our S&C team are. And I think, look at the look at the minutes Johnny Williams played this season in his career, the most minutes he's ever played any season. That, again, is because of our S&C team. Obviously, when you, if you're Johnny Williams or you're Frenchie and you've got a, a history of um, injuries and a track record of injuries, you need to be managed differently. And again, that's why our strength and conditioning team is so good because they create personal programmes for everybody. So naturally, a 34-year-old Mattia Baudry is managed differently to, a, I don't know, a, a 25-year-old Kean Harrys or a, a 25-year-old Harry McCurdy or a 22-year-old Tyrese Shades. But, but that's the beauty of our, of our sports science team and the way they work. So, you know, Things for him, but we also know he's a sort of he's such a professional that if you give him a day off, he'll still do his bits at home anyway. But that's right for him; that works well for him. So, no, no doubts at all in um, in him and his injury record because there's I don't believe there's a, there's any other club outside of the Premier League that can get as many games out of players as we. Hmm. Martin, I believe you are up next. You've got a question from Steve. Yeah, this is from Steve Jones via Twitter. Uh, he says, what differences have you seen so far between the setup at Wigan and Swindon? And why didn't you want to remain at Wigan, if that's the correct way to word it? <laughs> uh, what differences have I seen? Um, we're, a, we're a smaller club in terms of staff numbers. Um, I think... I've noticed that everybody is a lot closer to the playing staff at Swindon Town, whereas Wigan, it, it was done slightly differently. And, and look, these are only observations. I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong. Um, they, the recruitment team kind of sat quite separate from the the kind of the the conversations that went on around recruitment um, and they just had a slightly different approach to it to be honest so um and but I think that's probably that's a symptom of them being a, a bigger football club in terms of the number of staff that they have um and the way the club's structured really so that's that's kind of a difference you know you didn't I didn't I, I know Liam Richardson um very well and and, and I've worked with him a few times I know him well for good relationship with Paul Cook when when Cookie was manager at Wigan but I didn't really work that closely with Liam when I was in the role but I worked very closely with the head of recruitment and the other scouts um, and then and and then I suppose in answer to the second part of the question um, when I I had a conversation with Wigan back in December and just chose I felt it was the right time for me to um, to move on and explore some new opportunities I'd really enjoyed. The, the period of time that I'd had there, I thought we had a really, really successful summer transfer window. We, you know, we brought in a hell of a lot of players, and um, and ultimately it culminated in a really good season for the club. And I was over the moon for for Liam and and um, Gary Finley, the head of recruitment, and everybody else at the club because got brilliant relationships with them. But for me, I just felt it was the right time to explore new opportunities. And um, you know, I've got I've got quite strong ideas on how I think recruitment should be run and and, and um, yeah now I'm getting the opportunity to put that into practice so Andre um, when you're talking about do you see that you being at Swindon then being a is it a long term project or is it a short term steady the ship and then you move on I see it as a long term project um, I, I really do I don't 
I, I think you, the most important thing is you, you you're um, you're aligned with the the view of the owners and the vision of the owners, and that's what really attracted me to this opportunity. That when when I met um, when I met Clem, uh, and when I met Rob Angus, we were really aligned on what we believe a football club should look like, you know, from the ground up and then how you, how you achieve sustainability in a football club. So that was really important. So that then, so if we're fully aligned on, on what we believe success looks like and how we go about achieving it, that for me then becomes a long-term. Great. That, thanks. Outstanding. Sandro. So guessing that we'll, another question we've got here, guessing that we'll have to get used to polishing rough diamonds and selling profit. What would be your message to fans sick of seeing their heroes depart just as things start to get exciting? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think there's a, I think there's a, there, we have to sell players to be sustainable and, and, and there's no getting away from that. Um, We need to get this football club into a place where season after season, Swindon Town fans have got a football club to come back to that is sustainable and is well run. Um, part of that, ultimately, there's no getting away from it, is by selling talent. But like, I think we we're not like we're not unique in that. We we're we're one of many football clubs in this country or in the world that have to operate that way. And I think. Look at Brentford, look at Brighton, and I appreciate they're now Premier League clubs, but they weren't Premier League clubs when their owners took them over, um, who, who you know did very well in identifying talent, polishing it, moving it on, finding the next one. They did that incredibly well, so well, in fact, that they've got themselves to the Premier League. I think clubs that are a little bit more kind of closer to home in terms of their size and um, and and our level that are doing that very well now. I think MK Dons are doing that incredibly well. I think Peterborough have done that really well for years. So I understand the frustration when you say just when you're sort of starting to fall in love with a player that they end up getting sold. But the reality is that is kind of what we have to do to be successful. Um, and success meaning that we're financially sustainable. Just on that as well, though, if if you do this enough times and you get the pro- and you get the process right time and time again, you'll end up in a place where success on the field and promotions will be a natural consequence of what you're doing uh, and that's where we believe we'll get to because the owner Clem isn't taking money out of the club so profits are going back in they go back into the playing side they go back into servicing debts they go back into investment to the county ground the training ground etc if you keep doing that enough times we'll end up in a place where our budget is you know you'll, you'll get to a place where it's you know very very difficult not to get promoted and have success. I understand that. I understand a little bit the frustration from the fans, but take pride in the fact that we identify talent, we develop it, we sell it on, and somebody else pays a lot of money for it. I think the the frustration often, you know, I I think there, there are two ways of looking at it, Sandro. From a fan's point of view, obviously, if a player is sold and then obviously form dips. That's where the irritation comes from. I think um, I cast my mind back to 93. That's how far my brain goes back and some. And the sale of David Kerslake to Leeds United for a million quid. And that gave uh, Nicky Summerby an opportunity. And before you know it, we're in the Premier League. So I guess from a fan's point of view, it's just a question of making sure, obviously, if we sell that talent, we've got adequate talent sort of in the pipeline to step in and replace.
you've got the talent in the door and the next one goes and you've already got another one already to replace it and another one after that. That's what very well run football clubs do and that's what successful recruitment departments do at football clubs. So that's what we've got to do. Um, and I believe we're doing that. But, you know, the uh, the acid test will be over time, won't it, ultimately? And, and I hope we, um, I'm confident that we will demonstrate that to the fans season on season. Yeah. All right, Tyler. You, uh, we have a very Tyler question for you, Sandro. Brace yourself. <laughs> it's it, it sort of split into two long-winded parts. So uh, prepare yourself. Which data-driven transfer model will ours be most similar to? Will it be Peterborough slash MK, where signing players for fees with view to selling to then selling at a significant profit, or? A Forest Green style where signing players on freeze and cheap wages but perform at a higher level than their relative cost so maximises the effect of the budget. Or to add one on to there, will it be the sort of Brentford style finding, like you say, undervalued players who data-wise are probably underperforming what they can do and then getting a profit off of it that way? Yeah, um, cool. I'd say probably, I'd say a bit of all of it. Um, and I'd actually say when you really break it down and get into it, I think most most of those clubs all share the same kind of philosophy and, and the same principles. I think naturally we would lean towards a model where less transfer fees are involved. We, uh, you know, we believe quite strongly that at this level there's there's that much talent available, especially in, in terms of out of contract players. You don't you really need to you really need to pay fees. For, for players and also in terms of the cash flows of the football club it's difficult to pay fees for play, players a lot of the time so what you might do is structure a deal with a club that has add-ons based on performance based on success and or sell-ons um, because th- that's probably a more sustainable way for us to to run so that you know that would probably be a little bit where we are but having said that if we can structure a deal in the right way, we're not completely opposed to paying transfer fees for players. Um, but they'd be pretty, they'd be exceptions to the rule. You know, it wouldn't be something that we do generally just because we're working to such a small budget. Hmm. Nathan, do you want to move us along? Uh, yep. Uh, so this question comes from the uh, Town End Forum. And they've asked, will our model see us dip into the lower echelons for more Ricky Aguas style signings or will you strictly be looking at the uh, the top four tiers? No, no, we look everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. You know, be that the top four tiers, be that 23s, be that Scotland, be that uh, National League South, National League. You know, we're, we're prepared to go wherever we think there's an opportunity. You know, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, we're we're really open to where we get talent from. It'll come down to whether we think the talent is is underdeveloped, whether we think they would fit into our style of play. Scott Lindsay likes them. If there's, you know, when you start getting down to those levels of football, there's a lot less data to work with. So you you're going back to more some of the more traditional methods of scouting, which is absolutely fine as well. We use all of the traditional methods of scouting as well as the data. So yeah, look, we we we're not kind of we wouldn't rule out anywhere to bring a player from. If we thought they were a talent, we thought they could be a really valuable asset for Swindon Town Football Club, then we then we'd look to sign them, no matter where they play their football at the moment. Uh, Joe, I understand you've got a question. Uh, it's me, not Joe. Um, Martin, sorry, buddy. No, that's all good. Um, 
Are we looking to sign more physical players, given that we were quite often outmuscled last season? Yeah, look, that, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I think um, I think there's work we can do with the existing players to maybe make them a little bit more robust and give them a little bit of physicality. I think I think physicality takes different forms. I, I think there's an element we might have to accept that the best side's best chances of getting at us is to try and rough us up. You know, I think most teams almost accept the fact that we're going to dominate the ball when they play us, so they have to try and do something else. Are we looking to add a little bit of physicality and steel in certain areas of the pitch? I think we are. Yeah, I think they're definitely that we had we've had a big wash up and a big review of last season and what we did well, where we think we might need to improve. And I think there's certainly I don't think we'd be opposed to that. We want to dominate the ball. We want centre backs and centre halves that can play. But we're not opposed to someone that maybe just gets their head on it and will stick their head in anywhere where it hurts and and just loves to defend. We're definitely not against that either. So, yeah, like, I think I think that's a fair assessment and and it's certainly something that's on our radar. We're not oblivious to that. We might we might need to just have a little bit more grit about us in some areas of the pitch. Uh, Sandro, as well, um, talking about the, obviously you've got this this data model where you you your main recruitment is so how does how does that data model work with overseas players yeah look we we uh, obviously because of the the nature of brexit it does make it challenging to to actually bring many players in from overseas because they just don't quite at our level they just don't qualify for the points you know there's a lot there's a big emphasis placed on the quality of the league you're playing and Europe and whether you've played international football, so that makes it tough. But but our our model and our data does reach far and wide, you know. And if we got ourselves to a level where we really are in a position to strongly explore the foreign market, then yeah, then our data data stretches far and wide on that. As, as do our our video scouting capabilities and and our and of course our scouting capabilities. We're still very much capable of get jumping on a plane and, and going to watch players abroad as well. So kind of location. Isn't a, isn't a restriction on, on where we can recruit from. Brexit, however, is a big restriction on where we can recruit from. How about on the um? How, how does the data model work on younger players who might not have played much football? Yeah, look, the, the data is brilliant, but as I think most of you probably know, that data works best when you have big sample sizes and. Obviously, when players have played less minutes and have less experience, it, it does become slightly tougher to place a value on them through through the use of, of data and analysis. But just to be clear here, you know, the data is incredibly important for us, but so are the eyes of experts, you know, experienced scouts. Nobody will ever replace what an experienced scout can show you or, or, or can and can see. So that part of the process still goes on, as it always has done. That never ends. Um, we've got video scouting tools, which are brilliant. That allows us to watch lots of lots of a player and lots of players in a in a cost efficient and time efficient manner. Um, and then we do go and do all our due diligence and background checks, which are vitally important as well. So um, with the younger players, yeah, it's a little bit it, it's a little bit more back to the kind of some of the older the older um, methods of identifying talent, scouting, watching in person, etc. So yeah, data's brilliant. But um, it's not the answer to everything. You, you, if you don't have the if you don't have the the numbers um, on certain players in certain areas, it obviously does 
doesn't mean they're bad signings either. It just might mean that you've got to go down a different route to, to work out whether they're right signing for you. Is that when you brought in, um, obviously, uh, young Oscar Massey this season? Do you see him being first-team pitcher or something for the future? So that in itself takes a bit of adapting to, in terms of, and I think Oscar's learning that as he's doing pre-season. You know, it's um, it's demanding. It's and I think the demands that are placed on players at our football club are much greater than most. I think there's quite a lot of lads that have come from other clubs that are training with us that are going that are, you know that are sort of really starting to understand there is a reason why we were so good there's a reason why we dominated the ball last season there's a reason why we scored more goals than anyone last season it's because we were the fittest team in the division so I think a lot of these lads are struggling to I'm not struggling I think that that they're adapting to the way we train Um, I think with some of the younger lads especially someone like Oscar as a first year pro he he will he'll we'll work out where he is at various points in the season and how close he is to the first team and look that this isn't the case. I'm not saying this is the case, but you know, you might find that actually the right thing for Oscar at a given time is to go out and have a little loan spell somewhere. You know, what I mean, you just got you just got to weigh it up on um on a case by case basis. I, I'd love to see Oscar kind of be involved with the first team as I would any of the young lads we've signed. But it's one of those we've just got to work it out as we go along, really. San- Sandro. Um... You, you're obviously somebody that spent a lot of time working in and around PR. Your your career sort of mushroomed at a time where social media became has become more and more important. Today's been a really, really good example of um, whether you want to call people internet trolls or whether you want to talk about negative rumours. As somebody that's got a kind of an inside eye on our football club at the moment because of the nature of your role... What would what do you find it very very frustrating? And indeed, what would you say to fans that are getting swept along by some of the negativity that gets whipped up on social media? Some of the rumours about players, the rumours about ownership, um, you know, rumours about you know personalities involved in our club. Like, where what what does that actually do to your mind? Given that you've got an inside view on everything, um, everyone's. entitled to their opinion and their view and, and I suppose that's that's the kind of the double-edged sword of social media isn't it is um everyone's entitled to their view and entitled to their opinion and they can be kind of as strong and as forceful in what they say as they like I, I think you've I think you've just got to I don't know what's the I don't know the best word to describe this really I think you need to be a bit philosophical about it to be honest is um you know, I, I spend a bit of time on social media. I try not to spend too much time on social media because I think you can send yourself down rabbit holes. Um, and I think certain social media platforms can be more positive than others. So, um, but also, like, it can also be a vehicle that's very, um, that allows you to communicate with your fans and connect with your fan base in a way that's, um, that's really valuable as well. So, I, I, I've worked at... Look, you know, quite a few football clubs. I obviously, I've, I support a football club. I understand the concern of fans. And I also, I also understand the history of this football club and what's gone on in the past. And I, I think, I don't think I'd be unfair in saying, 
what's happened in the past to the football club and to the supporters naturally shapes their view of people and the club going forward as well. And, and I think there's, when I speak to people, and I speak to people in the media and I speak to people that have been associated with the club, I speak to guys like yourselves and fans and, and what have you. And there's definitely like, there's, there's there are scars there that I think have been brought from previous ownerships and previous bad experiences. And that goes wider than just the fans. That extends to local businesses as well. And so I, I kind of understand where the, some of the, the concern comes from and where a lot of the questions comes from come from. I suppose... Look, from my perspective, I don't. All I can do is go about doing my job to the best of my ability on a daily basis. Try and try and do um, things like this with, with yourselves, and, and try and build trust, and try and build a bit of transparency, and then hopefully, in time, trust and respect take time to develop and time to build. Uh, and, and I hope in time that the fans have the trust and respect for everybody at the football club, um, and really appreciate what what's the good work that's being done here. Well, look, so thus far, Sandro, you've been very, very open, very transparent. It's appreciated. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It's a question of building trust. And speaking as a fan of sort of 30 plus years, um, yeah, the trust has got has been dented significantly over the years. And we're, we're crying out for somebody to just essentially get hold of this club, give, give it a proper hug, a proper polish, polish and, and, and take us all forward on a journey. Um, you know, whether that's the, the old romantic in me or or not. But I think I'm pretty confident I'll speak for the whole fan base. Um, we're up to your penultimate question here. And we've got um, one, possibly two from Tyler, Sandro. Just, quick, yeah, just quickly um, on that. Just quickly on that, though. Can I just add, like, genuinely, no one wants to give this club a big hug more than me. Um, and, and I mean that in a sense... And just how important is to the whole town and the area, and even the county of Wiltshire. So um, I just really want to. You know, I, I fit. I don't have the experience of the pain that the fans have felt, but I certainly feel some of the pain the fans have felt. And I just want to keep doing the job to the best of my abilities to start trying to regain some of that trust that that you fans that we that we really want from you fans. Outstanding. So, so you've got a couple up your sleeve. Yeah, so I've I've got one one sort of serious one, and then then I've got another silly one, and I know Hannah's has a silly one for you as well. Uh, so based on the social content that's that's gone out this week on the Twitter and Instagram, it, it seems like we've had some trialists join up with the lads. Can we get any names of them? And also, how has Jordan Lydon returned back to the club fitness wise following his injury? Yeah, um, look, we can't really give names of trialists. I'm afraid that wouldn't be very professional of me. So I'm, I'm I apologise for that one. Um, my best advice would be come to the Melksham game on Saturday and do a bit of digging. Try and listen to some of the names that the players call them and see if you can work it out. Jordan's back in the building and he's going through his rehab process. He's still some way off. I think, you know, the reality is we're probably looking at about October time, all being well. But um, what I can say is Jordan's attitude towards his rehab programme has been exceptional. It's been absolutely flawless. And his attitude around the lads is superb as well. He's a brilliant lad to have around. I, for one, would love to see us get him back fit, get through his rehab. I'd love to see him playing in the Swindon Town shirt again because a fit Jordan Lydon is a very, very good footballer at this level. So he's still some way off, but his rehab's going very well. 
Lovely to hear. And uh, a, a bit of a silly question for you from, from Gabs. Uh, do you like blue cheese? Oh, my, why do we have to take it down the cheese route? I thought we'd grown away from this. It's yeah, I, I, Gabs I, asked for it. If, if you would like us, we could do another hour and in another week's time just about cheese with me, if you like. I'm a big fan <laughs> of cheese, especially blue cheese. And obviously, because of my Italian roots, Gorgonzola or Dolce Latte for me. So, yeah, love blue cheese. Blue cheese it is. All right, then. Well, look, I've got your final question for you, Sandro. And, you know, I promise we're going to go in two-footed on you. <laughs> would you. Would you rather never wear underwear again or never wear socks again? Oh, jeez. I think you're probably better off asking my wife and my daughter as to which one of the two they'd rather that I, uh, I never wore again. I think I'd have, I'd probably have to go socks, I think, because, um, yeah, I don't think I'd feel particularly safe at the county ground not wearing underwear, um, in, if I'm honest. I don't think it'd be the most professional. But, yeah, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that's a weird one, Hannes. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll, yeah, I'll go and with socks. I can see you, I can see you, Sandro. No socks, nice pair of Gucci slip-ons, <laughs> pair of pair of pair of slacks, nice bit of knitwear, a couple of buttons open on the collar. Yeah. It sucks all day long for you, buddy. We got you. <laughs> Sandro, honestly, mate, you, you have been, you've been, you've been utterly tremendous. It's been a, um, an interesting day because there's been a lot of, um, uh, I would say we've almost been encouraged to come on tonight and people have been offering up sort of, topics for us to almost try and sort of ensnare you or get negativity you know the nice thing is there's lots of stuff that you've brought to the table that I think answers some of those questions very fairly very openly um what I will say is that if you're open to it Sandro um even the people that have kind of been seeding some of the more sort of like um uh I don't necessarily think the most fair questions in the world we'll collate those for you I'll make sure that you get them on a text message and and we know that you're on Twitter. If you want to answer them under your own steam, I think it's only, only, only right and proper. That that would be for you to do. Um, I appreciate, obviously, the um, uh, there's advisory boards coming up. Um, the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge is going to be live behind the scenes at the county ground tomorrow again. So, Sandra, if we pass each other in a in a in a uh, in one of the back corridors, mate, please don't swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Sandro, could, could, can we just ask one question? With, with a name like Sandra Di Michele, how come you don't sound Italian? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I do apologise. It's, it's a little bit underwhelming, isn't it, when I open my mouth? So I do. Yeah, I do apologise. That my dad's Italian. Um, he grew up in in Abruzzo, Pescara. Moved to England about sixty years ago. My, my old man's very old. So, um, but uh, yeah, look, I do speak a bit of Italian. Um, not the best. I actually had a little bit of dinner at Fratello's tonight and um and the main waiter there is actually from Abruzzo as well so yeah look there is there is Italian heritage in me I do speak the language a bit so um but yeah I just I don't sound like I was brought up in the back streets of Pescara but um yeah there you go <laughs> well from one man it sounds like he's not been brought up in the back streets of Pescara from another man Sandro that doesn't certainly sound like he's been brought up in the back streets of Swindon town um <laughs> I just want to thank you on behalf of the panel Sandro for coming on uh, wish you all the best moving forward. Appreciate you've only had your feet under the desk for a couple of weeks. Um, we do wish you all the very, very best. And obviously, we hope that we'll see you on again, possibly tomorrow. But um, certainly moving forward, buddy, you've got an open invite. So please make the most of it. 
I will do. Look, thank you so much for your time. And look, I hope I've answered most of the questions. Apologies for any of those who I've kind of sat on the fence a bit, but it's been wonderful. And just again, thank you for having me on and appreciate all the work that you do um, and you guys do in supporting the club. And look, here's to a, a very good season. And let's hope I can come on maybe later in, in the year, maybe just after the transfer window's shut and I could get a little bit of school report from you guys in terms of what we've done in the transfer window. Hey, we'll, we'll be drinking to that, Sandro. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. All right, buddy. Have a good Cheers, evening. Thanks. Cheers, Sandro. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sandro DiMichele, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, listen, uh, I mean, it's been a, a day of conjecture on social media today, and I'll just put this back to my panel. Um, I, I was, um, I think it's fair to say, I mean, Tyler, you've, you've certainly had your ear close to the ground um, across the, uh, over the course of the day. And some of the comments that um, have been kind of teed up um, sort of certainly smack of a certain mistrust being sort of directed towards the club, I think it's fair to say. Um, I think anybody listening to Sandro tonight, I, I mean, we certainly didn't pull any punches on the questions, um, but I thought he was very fair, very measured, very transparent. Ty, what was your take on him? Yeah, he he came across well from what he said. So, and and aren't, and didn't beat around the bush on any of the questions. Answered them as head on as as I think he possibly could without without putting himself or or the club sort sort of at, at risk of saying too much. So, yeah, I th- think know, he's hammered that. Yeah, you know what, Ty? I mean, I just want to stress like we we are whilst we're a relatively new entity. This is on Broadbent Lounge. We are certainly independent. You know, we are not a mouthpiece of the club. Um, I have made it very, very clear to the football club and to Sandro um, when I invited him on that, you know, we are not a team of happy clappers. By by definition, I am glass half full as a personality. I think that's certainly something you could direct at me. And I think that's reflected in all of you guys, really. I don't think we're a cynical bunch. Um, but um, I will stress that Sandro made a real point of saying before coming on the show that he wasn't up for ducking any questions. You know, he was actually very, very open. Um, the sad, the, the sad part about it is we only had an hour and we had an awful lot of questions to get through, so we've not been able to do much live with Sandro. Um, Chris, you you've been a fan roughly the same amount of time that I have. I mean, I started supporting the club in sort of eighty six, eighty seven time, around the same time as you. So, yeah, I was about eighty four, so rough, roughly. Yeah. So, yeah. so Sandro paid paid reference to sort of scars, didn't he? And um, understands there's potentially there's mistrust there. Um, you know, and 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 kind of, I think I, I used the term, and then he sort of reiterated it about wanting to give our club and our supporters a big old hug, and you know, and 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 sort of try and create this sort of bit more of a feel good around the club. Um, a, did you believe him in what he was saying? And 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 B, um, you know, what what would you say that you know he's kind of early wins because I mean he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't at the moment, isn't he? Well, I would, I'm, I'm sort of because <clears throat> the. The ownership we've gone through as well, with God, it's it's been well, as you know as well. For um, for all the time we've been supporting the club, most of the ownership has been abysmal, and, and probably over the last twenty five, thirty years, we might have had five years of which with with decent ownership. And uh, I want to give them this chance and see see what they do. And uh, but but it, it's not something that's going to happen overnight because there's a lot of mess that the club needs to sort out. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, Chris, isn't it? I um, I mentioned the, you know, I appreciate the younger audience won't necessarily talk, know what I'm talking about, but the, the footage is available online. 
there's the the documentary on YouTube you can go back and watch. That's football, uh, which um, is the ended up being a documentary that covered our '93 promotion season to the Premier League. And there were Swindon Town fans absolutely ripping Ray Harbin the pieces outside the Arkham stand for selling David Kerslake um, when there was clearly a plan, and that plan was Nicky Summerby. And we all know what, what happened there. Oh, yeah. But, I, mean, I, so, I loved David Kerslake. Was, I, I absolutely loved him. But I think it was it was about 500... I think it was about 500,000. But Nicky Summerby seamlessly slotted in there. And, yeah. and like you say, if you've got someone who, who can do that, it was like um, it's, it's even like, like the f- further seasons on. Kevin Horlock, yep. we knew how good a player he was, but generally in those early days he was a left back and he couldn't get in ahead of Bowden. Yeah, but because he couldn't get in ahead of Paul Bowden, they put him in midfield. What a player! Yeah, what a player! But I guess like the point I'm trying to make is that we've we and Sandro talked about it. The fact mm-hmm. is like we have to get our heads around the fact that we are a selling club. Now, I I don't want to see, like, you know, I don't want to see McCurdy go. I don't want to see Louis Reed go. But, you know, if we, if those guys go, it does not necessarily mean that, you know, the floor, you know, you know capsizes, you know, sorry, that the, the floor opens up beneath us and the whole model goes crashing down. Yeah. Now, people will talk about Louis Reed last season and when Louis Reed didn't play, we didn't seem to win and so on and so forth. But we've still got a lot of pre-season to go, Chris, haven't we? And well, I think I think the thing you've got with um, if if Louis Reed or Harry McCurdy go, and like you say, we're a selling club. So if they do go, then we're going to get a good fee for them. Yeah, and 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 uh, and like you say, a selling club. It happens if um, you can you can say that oh, we're not selling you for this, but but if if someone wants them, then they're going to bid what you will accept. Yeah. Okay, interesting one. Well, obviously we've made a couple of sign. Well, we've made a sign, a big sign, a big signing because he looks like a big unit. Um, Tyler Kean Harry's is a new face at uh, and we touched on him a little bit talking to um, Sandro. What do we know about Kean Harry's? Um, well, he, he comes with a, a decent bit of pedigree behind him, playing playing international football for for Wales in the youth ranks. Um, He's about six foot two, which is something we've struggled with in recent years. Is a bit of height, and my highlight of it all, he's left footed, a left footed centre half, something that every team sort of needs for me. Because mm. when you're trying to play out from the back, if if you're right footed on the left, you, you see yourself turning in a lot, and so the fact he's left footed will, will open that up for us quite a bit, hopefully. Yeah. And think- uh, going off what I've seen, some clips at Rovers. He can be a bit rash in a tackle, though, which yeah. is a bit concerning. I'll t- I t- I tell you what I thought was quite interesting. It was a lot of Rovers fans putting the boot in and sort of telling us that, um, essentially, we've signed a load of dross. Interestingly, um, I've seen several photos today of Key and Harry's being carried on their shoulders as almost like part of a kind of <laughs> on-pitch promotion party. So, you know, which is it? Have we got a cult hero on their shoulders or uh, um, is that just a little bit of um, a little bit of kidology? One one thing I'll, I'll mention from what Tyler said there is that um, Harry's actually averaged more yellow cards per minute than McCurdy did. Mm. So he likes to put the boot in. Well, listen, Chris, every team needs a shit house, and if we've got one at the front, up top and we've got one at the back, then I'm not going to be complaining. Yeah. Um, what is he? Is it? Has he got that about him though, Ty? Do we do we know that about Harry's? Is it sort of? Are we talking yellow cards for foul play, or are we talking yellow cards for dissent? It's foul play. There's one clip from a tackle where where it's the most blatant straight red you've ever seen. So 
it's, it's that sort of thing. And um, but he, he seems to be able to twin sort of that dirty side of the game with also being really good with the ball at his feet and and playing out. So it seems like the sort of signing people were crying out for last year, and we've made it. And then because a few Rovers fans have said he's a bit naff, aren't aren't so keen. I'm open to it, and to be fair, Rovers fans thought Pittman was a good signing, said Kyle Bennett was shit, and that Garner was shit. So yep. I'm not not the most trustworthy of them. All right. Well, look, Martin, Pally, we all love Pot Pay Pally. Martin, Nathan, Chris, and Tyler, we've all seen the pictures from the uh, gym workout this week, and while Sandro said he didn't want to put names to players, should we have a little bit of fun trying to do that ourselves? Go for it. Right. Who, who do we think we've seen then, guys? And I, I want realistic suggestions here. I don't want, you know, I don't want, I've, I've had all kinds of sort of suggestions thrown at me. I've had, uh, oh, you'll be pleased to know that Ryland's name has come up again. <laughs> oh, get in. After his, after his weekend heroics in the Sir Tom Broadbent Trophy. But, that was uh, no, amazing. I, can confirm, I, I don't know whether the goal or the commentary was the best. <laughs> well, big lad at the back of the gym is definitely not Ryland Clark. I yeah. just want to point that out. Um, all right, who wants to go first? Who's seen who in the uh, county ground gym workout? There's only the one that I could tell you, and that's Sammy Braybrook right at the back of it. Very, very exciting. Young young talent, from what we understand, um, has come up through the youth ranks from Leicester. Um now, what do we have, Tyler? From what I understand, the boy is meant to be a little bit of a twinkle toes, almost in the Jimmy Bullard mould. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So the one player I've seen him sort of likened to, but by Leicester fans, is a bit, bit the way he likes to get on the ball and turn, a bit like Luka Modric, which works with his hair as well. Um, my, my only concern is he looks a bit weak, which can be an issue, especially in League Two. But he won Leicester's uh, Academy Player of the Year last year. I think he's captained England at under-19 level. So he, he's coming with a good bit of pedigree behind him. And, and so should we sign him, and it is him, then there's more positives than, than there probably is negatives. Right. OK. Sh- now- shall we invite Darth Vader on to see what he says? Well, well why not? I see no reason why we shouldn't. Come on, Joe. He's not going to come on, is he? Is he not? Is he good? Right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Joe Bennett, a usual Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge regular. I'm going to try and get him to come on and say hello because poor Joe, poor Joe burnt himself to a crisp at the weekend to the point where his face is one giant blister tonight. And I'm not not exaggerating. How are you, Joe? Are you recovering? Hello, boys. I'm a bit crispy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we can hear your crunch. We can hear your crunch as you as you move your cheeks. <laughs> What's um, Joe? What what's your uh, so as you probably heard we're we're talking about players that we believe we may have spotted um, in the gym workout session. Now one of the lads, I think it was you mentioned, was um, the big lad that we believe's been released from Oldham. Is it the big centre heart, uh, big left back called Hart? Now obviously we brought a left back in. Um, can you or any other guys tell me about him and whether they think it's him because it's an uncanny resemblance? I've not seen that uh, that link personally. Um, I saw a few people thinking it was John Marquis or Marcus, I don't know how you say his name. Um, but I feel like he's had a bit of a change of look over the last five years. So five years ago, I believe it. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. He looks familiar. I've seen, obviously, Ollie Banks been thrown around as well. 
Um, honestly, wouldn't mind Ollie Banks back. To be honest, I, I quite liked him when he was here. Uh, I think he I think signed for Chesterfield. I think somewhere in non-league. Oh, has he? Yeah, okay. Chesterfield. I think he's signed for now. I think. Yeah, you know, I think he's wasted in in the conference. I think he's a. I think he's a good player. But anyway, that's we're not related to uh, Chesterfield, so it's what it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's certainly. I think Tyler mentioned just by the sheer size of him, he's got to be a centre back, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a monster of lad. Mate, I've convinced myself he is some Australian-Serbian mix with a name like Stojanovic, who's just going to kill everyone. <laughs> what is that? Just, just purely on the aesthetics, is it, Ty? Yes, very much so, just based on how he looks. Ty, who is this heart lad that, it's been, that he's been linked to at Oldham? Do you know the lad we're talking about? Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's gone to Sutton today, signed for them. Right, OK. Kicking it forward as fast as you can and as high as you can. Right, okay. Ooh, so, uh, right, well, who are the other rumours, guys? Come on, someone help me out because we were bounding it around the group earlier. Um, Jones, Who's that? You can assist that Alfie with... Gilchrist or whatever his name is from Chelsea, you know, young lad, under 18's captain, I think. Come on, tell me more. I've just seen it banded about this evening on Twitter that um, could be coming over on loan, maybe. Um, so he they won the Premier League two I think last season he captained the side. Um, not too sure if he's an England youth international, but you'd imagine if he was the captain of Chelsea's uh, 18s and a successful team, yeah. he, he probably has represented the the country. Um, yeah, I mean Tyler mentioned he looked a bit small um, for a centre back, but you know could be in a sort of Cesar Aspilicueta mould. I guess small players is the Swindon way. Yeah. <laughs> well, look who's look who's joined us. He's turning into the full panel, so we're going to get the whole WhatsApp group on in a minute. Max, good evening. How are evening, you? Evening, not too bad, mate. It was good listening in to Sandra, and um, I, I think I can delay my bedtime a little bit. Ah, bravo. No, he's magnificent, wasn't he, Sandro? I thought he spoke fantastically well. Um, it's, is it saying all the things as a fan that you want to hear? Um, what's um, what's been your hot takes, Max? Have you picked up on many names today from the um? From the uh, the the various videos that have been pushed around by uh, the, the new media head Dave Rixton. No, other than I've, I did, I, um, like you were saying about the uh, the tall lad we spotted. I think if it's a big centre back, then that's like that'd be a fan I'd like to see, but it could be anyone. I mean, the first one popped in my head was oh, there's a lad that a centre back with that sort of head used to play for Oldham and Salford, whose name escapes me. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if anyone can help me out with that. Yeah, Gianni. Yeah, you were only with him, but I don't want It's not. He's blonde as well as me. That 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 was who I thought it was on first glance, but um, yeah, Gianni scored against us, did he not? Earlier in the season, he was an absolute beast. He did, yeah. Old him away. Yeah, the ex Salford boy. Now, listen. I mean, as as much as I appreciate, and you know, you know, analytics based recruitment and things like that. Just one of those signings where you just think, "Oh my god!" It just feels like a signing that condemns you to the lower, you know, to the sort of to the fourth tier. He's also um, just signed for Stevenage, Pierre Johnny. Yeah, oh, I just, I've just I've just signed for Stevenage. I didn't think he would drop down to the conference. Right, let's part that. But the Gilchrist, yeah, I've just seen the Gilchrist. Um, uh, I've just seen the Gilchrist rumor, uh, courtesy of my son, flashing it under my nose. Um, what's um, so Sandro seems to be suggesting between now and the end of the week um, hopefully and it sounds like it could be tomorrow we could have a couple of new faces um, uh, popping up on the socials and um, I mean they're clearly you get the impression boys don't you they're clearly in the building 
And it's just that, like, you always get the... They talked about the gym being absolutely ramo. I su- suspect that they're in they're in the building. It's a question of deals getting done. They're getting to meet their new teammates, and away you go. Because there were a lot of faces, weren't there, on those videos flashing across the camera. I just didn't recognise But we've also got that as well, Handlers, is... Um with um, Harry Parsons, who technically doesn't have a contract. Yeah, um, very true. Very true. So we don't know what, what's going on there, but he's obviously training with us, so he, he, he wants to be there, and maybe maybe there's something in the background that, that, that's gone on, but we don't know about that. Yeah, well, Harry, obviously, Harry was um, the uh, guest of honour at the Sir Tom Broadbent Trophy um, uh, the weekend. Um, he, he he didn't give anyone any kind of indication either way. But I think if Harry Parsons wasn't going to be at Swindon Town Football Club next season, I think it probably it would have been unlikely that he would have attended that tournament. Um, you well, know, like you say there as well, I think it was, if, if he wasn't going to be at Swindon next year, I think it was unlikely he would be training with us. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um We've got so we've had a lovely bit of news moving away, guys. I think we're getting a little bit thin on the ground in terms of just speculating around who we may have seen on videos. But lovely bit of news for the Swindon Town bank manager uh, this week with um, Scotty Twine firming up a um, a move to Burnley. Now, there's been a lot of sort of consternation about just how much money we're getting from that deal. And just to be clear, it would appear that we've got 20% of any profit that um, MK Dons have made by selling him to Burnley. And that profit appears to have delivered a cheque of approximately £750,000 to the county ground. So um, does does anybody want to kind of dispute that? Tell me. We've seen various figures about this. So I think it's, let's say it's somewhere between seven hundred and eight hundred thousand, depending on, on what it is. He's, the boy's done well for us, hasn't he, Twine? The boy's come through. Yeah, but if if you think back to when when we let him go, if uh, so, we got uh, we got three hundred thousand, and let's say at bottom end we've got seven hundred thousand, so we've got a million for for Scott Twine. Would would we have complained at the time he left if we got a million for him? Well, I'm not being funny, Chris, but you just got to ask yourself: when was the last time that we got a significant six figure transfer fee per se? You know, few and far between, mate. And and yeah. million million pound transfer fees in Swindon Town Football Club are have, have not yeah. been regular bedfellows over the years. I mean, what would you reckon, Chris? We probably get one of them every sort of four years if we're lucky. I would oh, say. Uh, I, would, I would say the last player we probably got from that is, is whose name I cannot pronounce, who went to Everton, Lucas J. Let's call him Lucas J. Lucas Djokovic. Are yeah, you on about the, la- the last player who left us for seven figures? Yeah, Charlie Austin, Ben Gladwin. Yeah, I was saying Gladwin was yeah. QPR. Yeah, well, oh, he the, went let's for not QPR, the, yeah. and Luongo went Ch- for about two hundred. But no, yeah, I think chinny, I think Luongo went for two pound fifty. Bit of a chinny reckon, Chrissy, on that deal. Would you say? Yeah, I think Luongo went for two pound fifty, which fucked <laughs> us off with Tottenham, didn't it? <laughs> How much did um a Jose go to Charlton for the season after he scored a bucket of goals for us? Oh, they they hate us for that, so they're getting us back now. Oh yeah, no, that's not a bad shout, Max. So I think it was. I'm sure it was under a million quid. Was it not about seven hundred grand? I, think, might, I was thinking think it was around seven eight hundred grand. I think yeah, it was about five hundred. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the last big, the last sort of million buster deal has to be Charlie Austin, as I think back. Um, if you're going to exclude Gladwin Luongo, I mean, that was a that was a that was a meaty deal, um, a dodgy deal. 
Well, well, listen, I mean, on that, obviously, we don't know for a fact, do we? Allegedly, we upset Tottenham. I mean, I would say that there's been a significant lack of Tottenham players. that have, Certainly, they were a conveyor belt at one point, weren't they? And that seemed yeah. to dry up around then. But, um, but yeah, nonetheless, obviously, Scotty Twine, we send him all our very, very, very best going up to Burnley. Mm. I mean, definitely one of our own. Um, a hell of a transfer for us. When you think about it, like one really solid season. And, and the real tragedy of Scott Twine's time at Swindon was... He quite clearly wasn't um, quite Richie Wellens' cup of tea. Um, he got his big break in arguably the worst ever Swindon Town season. I don't care what era of supporter you you joined, you know, you started following our club. Yeah. That was a truly dreadful season. But actually, what lit up that season was uh, obviously events at the Kazam. Um, and the um, the goals of Scotty Twine, which were absolutely... Well, what, one what of we... the uh, the unfortunate things is that he had to spend a year at the worst football team in, in ever. What? But, well, but when... that's what he had to do to get to Burnley. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's quite sad, that, isn't it? Yeah. Mark, Martin, what was your favourite Scotty Twine strike? That is a tough question. There were so many. I think the one that comes to mind would be away at Ipswich. Cause that I was going to say, Ipswich, it's got to be that one. There were there were a lot of... Even though ones... I've got the one at Sunderland didn't go in. I think he canned it off the bar last minute on a uh, free kick. Because that would have been some goal as well. Yeah. Um, but the talent that boy's got in his feet is just ridiculous. And that Ipswich one, I just... I can't look past it. He, there's so many goals of the season just on his highlight reel from that terrible... 12 months alone. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to say that one, I think. Yeah, I think I think Martin's nailed that with that Ipswich goal. I mean, that was a, probably the best Swindon goal we've seen for about four years. Oh, I was absolutely screaming. I mean, Nathan, yeah. the, the thing... Nathan, i get your thoughts on this because obviously he, t- he took what he was doing at Swindon last year. He's gone into quite clearly a superior side. Certainly not superior club, ladies and gentlemen, but a superior side in the MK Dons. Um and he's, he's developed his game further, hasn't he, Nathan? He's become a proper box-to-box midfielder, a bit of a twinkle toes in and around the box. He's not just scoring from range, is he? Um, you know, it, four million quid kind of feels like they've got a bit of a snip there. Well, I mean, I think we didn't get enough for him. I know our situation at the time, but I can't remember how much it was, but it was, it was not enough. And the fact that just a year later he's gone for, for four million says it all, really. Um, although, you know, I, I hate to give them credit, but I think MK Dons have done a good job in kind of taking what he was and making him a better player. Like watching him in the playoffs, he was kind of their man and they were always looking for him. And and every time he got on the ball, you just, you, know, if you could feel the Wickham fans kind of tensing up a bit because he was just that good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's brilliant to see. Um, I, I, I wanted to wish him well. And, you know, it's good to see him scoring goals. It's just, I just wish it wasn't for them. Uh, but at least now we can all, you know, we can all cheer him on and hope he gets to the Premier League because I think he's destined to go there, whether it's with Burnley or whoever else. I think he's he's that good because he's still young and he's still developing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see where he goes next. Yeah. We'll see him back when he's 35. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, what we will say is that, you know, you never know how these moves are going to work out. I think it would probably be a stretch that if he goes up there and it doesn't work out at Burnley, he's not going to be dropping down to Swindon Town anytime soon, is he? But um, we'll get a couple of consecutive uh, consecutive promotions under our belt, Joe. We'll, we'll, we'll have him back in a couple of years, mate. Don't you worry about it. He says, tongue firmly in cheek. Um, 
So, Martin, move, moving us on, mine, because we've got a very busy day tomorrow, haven't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are delighted to be invited back behind the scenes at the county ground tomorrow. Martin and I are uh, going to be given a little bit of open access from 4pm, um, where we're going to be broadcasting live across both Twitter spaces and Twitch. Um, majority of our time is going to be spent with our good friends, um, Steve Hooper and Jonah Isaacs in the kit room. Um, but I am told that we're going to be given a nice license to roam thereafter. Um, lovely bit of trust the club are putting, uh, putting into us. They don't know what they let themselves in for, Martin, do they, really? <laughs> Not at all. But, um, yeah, so all being well, we're going to try and speak to as many of the characters behind the scenes that are available to us tomorrow. Um, if there are any questions or anyone that you guys want us to try and sniff out while we're at... Um, while we're behind the scenes at the county ground, then please do let us know. But the uh, boys in the kit room are going to let us get up close and personal to all the new kits, all the new training gear. We're going to be having a good kickabout with the new Football League balls. We're going to get out on the pitch, have a look at what Mar what uh, Marcus has been doing to our beautiful carpet. Uh, we're going to have a chance to have a wander around the stands. There's been quite a lot of um, uh, quite a lot of tidying up, quite a lot of um, maintenance work done up in our stands. New seats have been put in place. We're going to go and have a little bit of a play with them. Martin and I are going to find our regular seats. We're going to sit down, hopefully, um, all being well. There'll be a few of the first team boys and the managers kicking around the ground as well. We're going to get a chance to pick their brains ahead of Melksham at the weekend. Martin, if you had the choice to speak to someone tomorrow, who would it be? I well, if I'm being in a complete dream world, because I don't think it will happen, I would love to turn up, speak to Jack Payne as he announces he's staying. Um, but if we're talking about players that are just already signed on, I think I would like to speak to Reed just to try and see if we can gauge how keen he is to stay for another season, or if his head's been turned by the rumours about Charlton. Yeah, I'll, I'll make you right. I would. I think um, they would be my choices in second and third place. I think first place, I, I, I'm really hoping I get a chance to see Harry McCurdy so I can uh, talk to him about that new Barnet and ask him if there's anyone that he's afraid to see, anyone, anyone he's afraid to play next season. And then purely because I want to hear him say, you sound like a pussy geese, one more. <laughs> <laughs> because he's already accused us of Tom Broadbent Lounge of sounding like a pussy. And we're, I'd love to see whether or not we can get that out of him again. No, but in, in all seriousness, there's lots of new faces arriving at the county ground. It's going to be a brilliant opportunity tomorrow to um, uh, hopefully um, bring their stories alive. Um, and uh, we look forward to hearing you or having you all with us from four. So a little bit earlier, the show will, of course, be recorded. Um, but, I mean, gents, that, that pretty much draws us to a close for this evening as we hit 10.30. Um Unless you boys have got anything else to uh, to bring to the party, um, I will be putting a line under it. Well, listen, the, the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge is a Swindon Town fans' Twitter space. As such, it does not reflect uh, the views are our own. They don't reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or Sir Tom Broadbent himself. It's been an absolute treat. Absolute treat having you all with us tonight. I hope you enjoyed Sandro's company. Um, we've got some really exciting plans working with the club moving forward in terms of um, uh, giving lots of people an opportunity to come on and speak to you and have you speak to them. So thanks for everyone for behaving themselves. Hey, so I have something at the end. Sorry, Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Matt. Before we end the show, um, just wanted to thank everyone for coming down to Foundation Park on Sunday. Um, obviously for the for the trophy. Uh, we all had a great time. Hope everyone else did. Um, I've had a lot of good feedback from everyone. 
Uh, looking forward to, you know, getting it back under the way next year with a few changes, maybe. Um, maybe an extra bottle of sun cream as well to share around uh, for the players. But yeah, and I, just, I wanted to add to the end of the show, we had such a great turnout. Um, it was a really good day. And uh, obviously, moving forward, loads of different events happening, including tomorrow. There's more to come from us. Yeah, it's a raging, raging success at the weekend. And totally remiss of me to have just skirted over it. The, the tournament was played in incredibly good spirit. Um, discipline across the piece was fantastic. The referees were super chuffed. Um, the winning team were over the moon with their trophy. Everybody seemed to have a brilliant time. Um, the next big set piece that we've got coming up, we're going to be doing the preseason. Uh, we're going to be doing the barbecue uh, before the first game of the season. We've also still got the chance for you, for one of your nippers, to win a full mascot package. Um, at the first game of the first home game of the season against Salford. And all we need you to do is get your nippers out in the garden, get involved with them and recreate your favourite Swindon Town goal. It doesn't matter if you've seen it created already. Just go out and recreate it. If it's jumpers for goalposts, if you do it in the park, if you do it in your garden, doesn't matter. Just get those goals recreated, get them submitted. We're going to be judging that um, on the eve of the Cardiff game. Correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen. Um, and one lucky young person is going to be winning the chance to be um, Scott Lindsay's very first mascot uh, before the um, uh, for the Salford game. So please, please, please get those videos into us. But um, as I say, we'll wrap the show up. Uh, the show means absolutely nothing unless you guys contribute your questions. Come on and join us. And I appreciate we're a little push for time with Sandro tonight. But um, um, please, there is no there is no agenda behind that. Sandro is very, very happy to answer your questions. Um, I will be gathering up any questions that have been sent into the Tom Broadbent as we didn't get to ask. Sending them over to Sandro. Sandro is on Twitter. I'd fully expect him to answer those in the fullness of time. But he will also be coming back on the show as well. Um, but my thanks to Nathan, my thanks to Tyler, my thanks to Martin, Max, Joe and Chris. And my thanks to all of you guys for listening in. Very much look forward to you guys joining us again tomorrow from 4pm, ladies and gentlemen. 4pm and your choice of platform. If you want to join us on video, tune in to Twitch and search the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge. Or tune into this space again. The Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge will be on Twitter space from 4pm. Thank you very much, guys.